What is going on, San Antonio? What's going on, South Texas? My name is Michael Jimenez, and this is the Alamo City Sportscast coming at you from the Alamo City, from San Antonio, Texas, your home of the San Antonio Spurs and your home of the UTSA Roadrunners. Congratulations to UTSA for winning its first bowl game yesterday over Marshall. It was a butt kicking. No Frank Harris, but still, the Roadrunners finally made it happen. We finally got a bowl win. We'll be talking about that later in the show. Going to get into the San Antonio Spurs because the Spurs lost to the Milwaukee Bucks last night, as expected. Was not expecting that to happen. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that we need to talk about the evolution of certain players. Uh, you know that I like talking about Jeremy Sohan. But I also want to talk about Malachi Branham because I feel like he has evolved in a certain way. And we need to have a conversation about Malachi Branham and his future with this team. If you want to be part of this show, by the way, you can reach out to us. Our chat line is open on YouTube. We stream live on YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitter. We're also available later on today on all the major podcast platforms. So if you can't catch us live, you can also catch us on the way home from work or whatever the case may be. Uh, but again, leave your comments. It kind of helps guide the show a bit. We'll also be talking about some tall tales because people don't believe me. When I said that I pissed off Sean Elliott many years ago, Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs and Ken's Five giving me crap saying that it didn't happen. But I'll explain that story at some point today. We'll also get into uh, the NFL as well because a uh, big game tomorrow night, by the way, between the New Orleans Saints and the L.A. Rams. Winner of that game most likely will make the playoffs. It's essentially a playoff game. There's a viewing party that we're going to have for the fantasy gods over at Mad Pecker Brewery on Tezel Road. Again, go watch the game with us. I'll be out there having a great time. Come check us out. Hang out with us. Again, we're live on Facebook, live on Twitter, on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Now, let's talk about the Spurs first. Last night, the Spurs lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, 132-119, dropping the Spurs record to 4-22. and Like I said, this is a Bucks team with Giannis and Middleton and Bobby Portis and all of those players, and I had no faith that the Spurs were going to win this game. Okay, so I'm not upset that the Spurs lost at all. Again, the Spurs right now at 4-22, and had lost 18 in a row, finally got a win, lost two in a row, so now that means the Spurs have lost 20 of the last 21 games, and I'm trying to find a silver lining in all of this, okay? Because as a Spurs fan, I'm going to watch the games. I'm going to try to figure out, you know, the positives of this team. And last night I was thinking about it, and I think the biggest thing that we need to talk about is Malachi Branham. Now, last night, Keldon Johnson did have a big game, 28 points on 9 of 13 shooting, had 12 rebounds. I do appreciate the effort that Keldon Johnson is putting out there. Devin Vassell had a quiet 17 points. I say that because there, were, there was a point in the game, midway through the third quarter, where I forgot he was even playing. I thought he was injured. He was just not inserting himself into the offense, into the game. He somehow scored 17 points. There were two players yesterday that I thought had empty stats. Devin Vassell, who I've, I very rarely criticize because I'm a big fan of Devin Vassell. But it just felt like he wasn't even doing much out there. And then Jeremy Sohan had an unusual stat line because he almost had a triple-double. Nine points, 11 rebounds, eight assists. So he was one point and two assists away from a triple-double. But it was a very hollow game. It was weird because it's not like he had a good game. He was out there collecting some stats, but it wasn't like he had a good game. So it was kind of interesting. But 
let's get into Malachi Branham because the evolution of his play, and I feel like Spurs Twitter and Spurs fans are getting more and more amped up about Malachi and getting more confidence and faith in him. And I have been a fan ever since he got drafted out of Ohio State. Think about how we got Malachi Branham. Malachi Branham is part of the family tree that was us trading Kawhi Leonard in, in some respect. Because when the Spurs traded Kawhi Leonard, who do we get? We got DeMar DeRozan, Yaka Pertl, and a first-round draft pick that became Keldon Johnson. We then traded DeMar DeRozan to the Bulls. One of the picks that we received was the 20 pick in the 2022 draft. And who do we get? We got Malachi Bronham. So Malachi Bronham, in a roundabout way, is part of the family tree, if you will, of what we got for Kawhi Leonard. So now that I think about it, I'm like, well, what is this guy's position going to be on this team? Because we know Devin Vassell is going to be the number is going to be the the two guard for the foreseeable future. He got the bag, he got the raise. He's also somebody that averages between 17 and 20 points. But what are we going to expect from Malachi Branham? And maybe just maybe does this make Devin Vassell expendable down the road? If the Spurs needed to go that route, if the Spurs needed to uh, go for a splash and get a star, could they? maybe make Devin Vassell expendable. And the reason why I bring that up is because I like Malachi Bronham's game because I like shooters who shoot, okay? He was a shooter in college. He's a shooter in the pros. And his percentages seem to be the same as they were last year. So if you looked at it, you might think to yourself, well, wait a minute, these, these do not seem off the charts at all. I mean, his points per game are about the same. His shooting percentages are relatively the same. But it just feels different. He looks like a pro player out there playing for the Spurs. It doesn't look like a G League guy who's trying to make it. Malachi Bronham looks like an NBA player. And I think props need to be given to him because in the last six games, he has been in double figures all six times. This is kind of when he got inserted into the starting lineup. Now, in that time, last six games, he's averaging 13 points per game on 53% shooting. And did you know that Malachi Branham is knocking down free throws at a 93.3% clip? So, and also in this time that he's been named a starter, he's also knocking down three-pointers north of 35%. Now, for the year, he's at 30% for the year, which, you know, 31 32% for the year, which is not good. I mean, it's not horrific, but it's not good. But it's trending upwards because he had such a slow start when the season got going. But Malachi Branham, I find it to be interesting because I think that this is a player that could actually develop into the best draft pick that we had in the 2022 draft. Okay, that's a draft where we had three first rounders, right? We had Jeremy Sohan at number nine. We had Keldon John, I mean, uh, Malachi Branham at 20. And we had Blake Wesley in the late 20s. Uh, Blake Wesley has, you know, he had injuries and, and has been in the G League and has not really develop necessarily the way that we would have wanted. Uh, Jeremy Sohan is an enigma. We don't know exactly what we're going to have from him. Uh, it's funny because one of our uh, most followed people on Spurs Twitter, Eric Salinas, the other day when it was talking about the, the uh, consistency of certain players or what we're going to get out of them in the future, I made fun of him a little bit because he said Jeremy Sohan is TBD as in to be determined. 
And I was like, wait a minute, do we lower them to TBD? Are you are you following what I'm seeing out there? It's an enigma. And I'm trying to figure this out because everyone's telling me Sohan is like a Draymond Green type of player. Well, that's great when you have Steph Curry. That's great when you have Klay Thompson. But a Draymond Green player on any other team may just be another dude. And that's the thing about it. But Malachi Branham looks like a professional out there. He looks like somebody who can knock down the shots, confident in his stroke, and they're going to start falling. He's got a good rotation. He's got a good form. I like Malachi Branham out there. And the fact that he's part of the Kawhi family tree, if you will, uh, I'm excited about it. Now, the Spurs, again, are 4-22 and on the year. As of right now, the Spurs have a 79% chance of having two players in the first round in the top 10 next year. Because right now, the Spurs not only have their own first-round draft pick, but we also have a first-round draft pick that belongs to the Toronto Raptors that is top six protected. And as of right now, if the season ended right now and all things went to form, the Spurs would have the number two pick in the draft and the number nine overall pick. But the weird thing about the lottery, I think Spurs fans are going to get weirded out about this because the Spurs had a 14% chance last year, this past season, this past draft, to get Victor Wembanyama, right? 14% chance. But the way that the lottery works now, the Spurs only have a 52% chance of being in the top four. So it is a coin flip to be in the top four, much less the top spot. The Spurs also have a 20% chance of losing the Toronto pick this year and having it get kicked into next year. So right now, you, you take a look at the Spurs, and I wonder if it is better for the Spurs to lose that Toronto pick and move to 2025 when the draft is deeper, potentially, because a lot of people are saying that the 2024 NBA draft is actually going to be kind of weak. Okay, some decent players out there. There always is a decent player, too, but kind of weak when it comes to comparing it to years past. So right now, the Spurs have the potential for three first rounders, but that Charlotte one's going to get kicked to 2025. It may never convey because it's top 14 protected. And if it doesn't get conveyed there, it goes into two second rounders in later years. So I'm not really counting on the Charlotte one. The Chicago Bulls pick of next year is actually a top 10 protected pick. So the Bulls bottom out. We don't get that pick. So it's so bizarre being a Spurs fan right now because we're taking a look at it. We have uh, we have our own pick next year in 2024. More than likely, we have Toronto's. More than likely, 80% chance as of right now. 2025, we have our own pick. We have the Atlanta Hawks pick as part of the DeJounte Murray trade. More than likely, we have Chicago's. We could have Portland's, I mean, uh, uh, Charlotte's. Uh, we could also have uh, Toronto's if that doesn't get conveyed this year. If Toronto wins the lottery, gets into the top four, that gets kicked into next year. So it's so bizarre being a Spurs fan because it's kind of hard to kind of count what's there. We could have one or two first rounders this year. Next year, we could have anywhere between two and five. It's just ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. Tim Gonzalez, which is out on our YouTube stream. Again, if you want to be part of the show, leave a comment. Asking the question, how was high school basketball last night? Dude, I had a blast, man. I had a blast. I've been calling games for a while. And, you know, the first association that I was in, if you don't know, I'm a high school basketball official, middle school basketball official. And um, the first association I was in, 
it was politics and I was not getting promoted to good games. And the San Antonio chapter got me going and they said, hey, come to us. We'll get you better games. And they did get me better games. And I eventually started doing some varsity games on the 2A, 3A, and 4A level. And I took some time off. Didn't play, didn't do it during the COVID years. Uh, but I came back this year because they called me up and they said, we really need you this year. And I thought maybe I'll do some 3A or 4A varsity. They moved me into 5A and 6A. And uh, yesterday I had two 6A varsity games, both of them between Madison and Brandeis over at Littleton Gym, girls game and then the uh, boys game. I found it funny because one of the head coaches uh, was calling me by my first name throughout the game. Uh, this was the second time I've ever had my name announced at the game. They do the starting five, you know, starting at point guard, starting at shooting guard, starting at small forward. And then they came out and said, you know, your officials tonight are Ben Rivers and Mike Jimenez and Brad, whoever. And I found it funny. So they knew my name. And what was so funny was that this coach was calling me by name the entire game. He was, was going up and down the court. He goes, Mike, Mike, look at the holding, Mike. Mike, check him out. Mike, he's hacking to Mike. Mike, that's a three-second Mike. And it was almost like that Geico commercial of the, the camel going through the uh, office building. You know, the hump day commercial where he's like, Mike, 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 what day is it? What day is it? It's hump day. And that's what it felt like, man. That's what it felt like. But it was really funny. Uh, I really enjoyed my time out there at Littleton Gym, uh, which is Blossom Athletic Center. I had never called games there before. Uh, but the next week or so, I've got some more big uh, big gyms. Uh, I have the Alamo Convocation Center downtown by Alamo Stadium. And I have Paul Taylor Fieldhouse, which is where I used to watch basketball games with my friends that were on the team uh, when I went to Holmes High School back in the day. So if you want to come check me out and have me uh, come yell at me if you want, uh, tomorrow's game, 1 o'clock at the Alamo Convocation Center. I've got Highlands against Jefferson Girls Varsity. And then I also have later on in the day at 2.30, Jefferson against Highlands. Also, a varsity game. That's the boys game. Ooh, my boss, Henry, is the lead official that game. So pretty excited about that. Tim also says, uh, shout out to San Antonio area kids. It's National Signing Day. That's also a lot of fun, man. When you do the National Signing Day, I've been to a lot of these events. The classic one that I remember from back in the day, I don't know if you remember this one. There was a uh, one where this one lady wanted her kid to go to like Auburn or, L or LSU and did not want the kid to go to, to Bama. And I guess he had told his mom that he was going to go to the school that she wanted. And then he grabbed the cap. They had all the caps of all the schools that he was looking at. And he grabbed the cap that was his, that, that was like Bama. And it pissed off the mom. That was exciting. That was so funny. That was so funny. Um, Matt Larim asking the question. Was I about to say redonkulous? It's been a while. It's been a while since I've used that word. Been a while. David Allwarder reaches out to us and says, UTSA got their first bowl win. Hey, man, I stayed up late last night watching that game. How many of y'all were watching that game? Because, you know, part of me is excited about it. But then again, it was against Marshall, which, by the way, Marshall is a team, a, a program that is very storied in college football. So it's not like a bad program or anything. But UTSA on national TV, UTSA, the only bowl game going on at the time, goes out and gets their win yesterday without Frank Harris. Frank Harris has a broken shoulder that he sustained during the game against uh, Tulane 
uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, but UTSA goes out there 35-17 over Marshall, finishes the year at 9-4. and UTSA was actually down early in the game, but exploded for 21 points in the second quarter. Uh, backup quarterback played very well for UTSA. And I'm very excited for the guys, man. And you saw head coach Jeff Trailer. He didn't get a Gatorade bath. No, 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 no. He got doused with coffee because it was a coffee-sponsored Frisco Bowl. So I found that to be interesting. Also found it interesting that the uh, quarterbacks for both teams uh, were sons of NFL players. Uh, McCown, who was the UTSA coach, uh, UTSA quarterback who tossed 251 yards, two touchdowns, and two INTs. And then Chad Pennington's son was the starting quarterback for Marshall. So that was pretty interesting as well. Uh, Joshua Cephas went out for 102 yards receiving seven receptions. I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday say that Josh Cephas seems to be destined to be a late-round draft pick for the uh, the New Orleans Saints, and I would love it. I would love it. It makes sense, man. That'd be so great for Cephas to be drafted by the Saints. The Saints, you know, they like drafting wide receivers. You know, Chris Olave uh, is, is a great player. and We've seen Shahid do very well. Uh, but keep in mind, the first time a first-round draft pick came out of UTSA, they were drafted by the Saints. That was Marcus Davenport back in the day. So the Saints do scout UTSA players. Now, I am wearing an LSU shirt right now because my daughter graduated from there last weekend. Um, but Jaden Daniels, you know, I look at all these mock drafts where they say that Jaden Daniels will be the fourth quarterback taken off the board or maybe the third quarterback. What are they watching? I'd rather have Jaden Daniels than Caleb Williams. What are they watching? Jaden Daniels was somebody who had 350 yards passing and 200 yards rushing in the same game and was the first and only quarterback to ever do that. Jaden Daniels was somebody who had more than 70% accuracy throwing the ball beyond 20 yards. 70% is great if you're doing dink passes, but 20 yards and beyond, 70% or greater? Dude, I'm sorry, man. That is awesome. That is awesome. I, I like that guy. I like that guy. Um, Chris Gonzalez resounds says that was Landon Collins, whose mom did not like it. Good call, man. That was so funny. It was actually so funny to, to watch that. Um, what I liked about Jeff Trailer yesterday, he kept talking about the seniors and how important it was for the seniors to get this win. And what I liked about what he was saying was that this is the evolution of this program. It took 13 years to get their first bowl win. And as critical as I can be sometimes about the facilities, as critical as I can be about certain things, there are positives that the UTSA Roadrunners football program has had, okay, from its first head coach being a legit guy, you know, who had, uh, Larry Coker, to go into Jeff Trailer and how much of a blessing it's been for him and how much it's been of, of a blessing that he did not get poached by Houston or did not get poached by Texas A&M. And they can continue to build on this program. Uh, I was uh, on Twitter earlier today, and Hector Ledesma, uh, formerly of uh, Sports Tonight, I thought had a very good point. And I'm, I'm looking up his tweet right now. Uh, but Hector Ledesma, a good friend of us, of ours uh, here at this, uh, this podcast network, he says maybe it's fitting that UTSA wins its first bowl with Frank Harris and Rashad Wisdom watching 
They're leaving the school much better than they found it. A bowl with a program that won 32 games and two conference titles in the last three years. Tons of teams would trade places for the Roadrunners. Hashtag birds up. And I think that that is a very, very smart way of looking at it. And Jeff Trailer after the game yesterday, when he was doing the uh, post-game interview with ESPN, made mention to the fact that Rashad Wisdom and Frank Harris are both from the San Antonio area. Wisdom from Converse Judson, Harris from uh, Samuel Clemens High School out in shirts. And he was saying that how important it was to not only have these leaders there, but have them be local guys. It wasn't like they recruited them from East Texas or recruited them from Houston or Dallas. These are homegrown guys. These guys didn't leave. And Frank Harris was with San Antonio for seven years because of injuries or COVID or whatever the case may be for seven years. And it's so weird that he's no longer with this team. And I feel bad that he wasn't able to play yesterday. And I didn't realize how bad of an injury he sustained against, against Tulane. But Frank Harris was on Twitter last night saying that it was a legit injury, that he was not trying to ditch the game, that he wanted to play, would have gone out there if he was physically able to. Uh, but Frank Harris is going to be a legend in San Antonio. I love the fact that Frank Harris, along with the uh, our good friends over at Mudslingers, do a fantastic job of, of working together. And, and Mudslingers going out there, who, by the way, sponsors our Fantasy Gods program, uh, goes out there and uh, donates money to UTSA and has Frank Harris as one of their spokespeople. Amazing. Go visit uh, Mudslingers Northeast side on Thousand Oaks. They do a fantastic job out there. Uh, again, Mad Packer Brewery tomorrow. Fantasy Gods doing uh, a viewing party. Saints, Rams. I'm going to be out there looking forward to it. Don't forget also uh, to, to subscribe to Jeff Garcia from Locked on Spurs and Ken's Five at Jeff G Spurs Zone. That is your daily content when it comes to Spurs basketball. I'm often on there. Joe Garcia is often on there. And I hope Joe Garcia comes back at some point. Uh, but I've been doing this from home. Going to be building a studio out here so that I could do the show from here. But I can also do it with Joe. Joe lives down the street from me, like 10 minutes maybe. Uh, and I'm looking forward to being back in the studio. I'm looking forward to having somebody to go back and forth with. But go ahead and leave me comments. But what do you guys want to talk about? Because, you know... We've talked a little bit about the Spurs. We've talked a little bit about UTSA football. We're bouncing back and forth. Let me ask you this question, guys. Let me ask you this question. Um, we talked about the evolution of Jeremy Sohan and the evolution of Malachi Bronham. I think Bronham is trending upwards, and the enigma is Jeremy Sohan. Yesterday, Sohan had nine points, 11 rebounds, and eight assists. And I can just imagine what it would have been like had he gotten that extra point and gotten those two extra assists. I think Spurs fans would have been like, so you see? He's amazing! And they were such hollow stats yesterday. They really were. But I'm looking at the efficiency when it comes to things. And Sohan, when the season first started, started out on fire from three. He had that 33-point game earlier this year, a couple weeks ago, and people were like, you see, he's finally turning the corner. He's putting it all together. And ever since then, he's had basically bad game after bad game. But when it comes from three-point shooting, he was 18 for 40 to start the year, 45%. And people were reaching out to me saying, you see, Jimenez? You see, you were wrong about him. 
But ever since that 33-point game, he is two for his last 20 from three, 10%. You add it all together, he's at 33% for the year. And when he was at 45% just two and a half weeks ago, what did I say on this program? That Sohan will end the season right around 32 or 33%. I'll go get the tape. I said he'll be at 33% when the season's over. Now, Jimenez, he figured out the three. That stroke is looking good, baby. Missed two of, he's missed 18 of his last 20. Back down to 33% for the year. I thought that that would take three or four months to go down to 33%. It took five or six games. Five or six games. So my question for you is, has Sohan actually improved as a shooter or not? Because if you look at the player efficiency, the player efficiency says no. Even though his, his three-point shooting is slightly better than last year, going from an awful 24% to overall at 33%, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm okay with, right? I mean, obviously, I, I would have loved it to stay at 45 and been wrong. But his player efficiency on the offensive side of the ball is so bizarre. And I was going back and forth with somebody yesterday. Did you know that Jeremy Sohan this year for the season is shooting 41% from the field? 41% from the field. And only 43% from two. Last year, he shot 52% from two. And that is bizarre. He's an enigma. And I don't know how to get excited about this guy but a lot of Spurs fans are and they call me a hater because of it I don't get it I, what, what am I missing here is it simply because you hope that he's going to be good or am I just being a complete asshole I don't know Drew Show with a $5 boost baby thank you for the tip says defense is 100% effort so is rebounding so is three quarters that's coaching uh, that's coaching that's on pop why you Vassell Stiffers want to trade away the number one effort guy. Okay, let's break that down. And Drew, thank you so much for the tip. And by the way, by the way, this brings up a, a very good point that I saw earlier. Drew goes on to say Devin lacks uh, effort, lacks durability, has a tendency to be a black hole who doesn't rebound effort or play D, passes up open teammates and a contested shot. The problem is, Drew, is that uh, Devin Vassell is the best player on this team. Take that back. Victor Wembanyama showing that he could rebound 12, 13, 14, 15 rebounds a game has probably gone past Devin Vassell as an NBA player. We knew that it was going to happen eventually, but let's go ahead and say that it's already happened now. So Victor Wembanyama is our best player on this team by far. When the season started, that, that title belonged to Devin Vassell. And Vassell, you may not like him, but it's about making points and getting the ball through the hoop. And his efficiency right now, effective field goal shooting percentage, is over 56%. It's like 56.6. So it's kind of hard to say that he sucks on the offense because even though he is streaky, 56.6% for a high-volume three-point shooter is not bad, man. It's not bad. Now, it's not elite, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's like a B- minus to a B when it comes to efficiency at his position. Now, I will agree with you, Drew, when it says that uh, defensively he's kind of lacking. When Devin Vassell came out of Florida State, his big thing was he was a defensive lockdown guy. 
and it was him and Patrick Williams. And Patrick Williams was doing it on the pro level. Devin Vassell has never been a lockdown guy defensively. From time to time, he's been de- he's been decent. He's been borderline good defensively from time to time, but it hasn't been consistent. And yesterday, Drew, I was watching this game, and I forgot that Vassell was even playing. It's like Vassell scored 17 quiet points. 17 quiet points where it's like, how did he get to 17 points? Kind of like, how did Sohan get near a triple-double? You're not even seeing it. They didn't look good. Sohan didn't look good yesterday. Devin Vassell didn't look good yesterday. But somehow, because somebody's got to get stats, they got stats. They were hollow stats. But going to Keldon Johnson, Keldon Johnson yesterday, 28 points on 9 of 13 shooting, 12 rebounds. Okay, so is Keldon Johnson the guy that you want to trade? Well, he's probably the guy that is most tradable because his contract is very attractive to other teams. The thing about it is this, is that Keldon Johnson has a desire to win, a motor, a drive to win, a, 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 a thing within him that you can't teach. And I would say that the two players on the Spurs roster that have the most fire are Keldon Johnson and Victor Wembanyama. They're the one in 1A when it comes to having fire. But Keldon Johnson is replaceable. Doesn't mean I want him replaced. He just is replaceable. And I like Keldon. If he was to stay on this team, I wouldn't be mad at it. I'm not somebody who's going to be like, oh, I, I hate Keldon Johnson. I don't want him on this team. I'm just saying that he's tradable. I, he, he is somebody that you can get somebody for or get some assets for that is comparable. Um, he reminds me of a running back like Tony Pollard, for example, who's you know good running back, but it's replaceable. You can get 80% of those stats from somebody else for less money. But Keldon's contract is pretty attractive because the way that they structured it, though, is that it's actually decreasing over the years as opposed to most contracts that increase over the years. So as Keldon's contract becomes more and more mature, as it becomes more and more mature, it, it becomes harder to get rid of him. Matt Lerma says, Sohan got close to a triple-double. Terrible player. Makes, makes perfect sense. Dude, okay, watching the game last night, Sohan was, what, the eighth or ninth best player on the court? Somebody's got to get stats, dude. Somebody's got to get stats. If you're playing 30 minutes out there, you're going to get stats. The ball's going to go your way. You're going to find an open guy. You're going to make a layup. Okay? He did not play well yesterday. And that beef that he tried doing with Bobby Portis, Bobby Portis was going to beat his ass. And Sohan, if you saw the play before that, pushed him. Now, Portis held on to him, right? Portis was bullying Sohan. And I guess I give props to Sohan for standing his ground. But that little bitch slap he did at the free throw line was lame, dude. That was absolutely lame. And then the very next play, what happens? They get tied up. Why do they get tied up? It's because Portis was going after Sohan. And Sohan was standing his ground a little bit. But the look on Sohan's face when Portis and him got got locked up was not a, a look of like, yeah, I'm standing my ground. Anything like that. It was a look of fear. It's a deer in headlights. Bobby Portis was going to rip the guy's head off. It turned out to be a double technical. Somebody's got to get stats. You know, 
on the very worst of teams, Matt, the very worst of teams have 20 point per game, guys. That doesn't mean that they're any good. It just means that somebody's got to score, right? I remember growing up, there was a guy who played for the Grizzlies named uh, Sharif Abdul Rahim, and he would average like 25, 26, 27 points per game. Was he ever an elite player? No. Somebody had a score on that team. If you have an NBA team that's going to score 110 points, because that's what NBA teams do, 110, 115 points per game, even if they give up 140, someone's going to score those 110, 112 points. Doesn't mean they're any good in doing it. That was Those were all hollow stats yesterday. They were all hollow. The only player yesterday on the Spurs team that played well was Keldon Johnson. Everyone else played like shit. Dude, Devin Vassell had 17 points last night. Played like shit. Malachi Branham was okay. You know, Branham with 12 points yesterday against six straight games in double figures, averaging 13 points in that span. Branham showing to be some improvement there. So going back to Sohan real fast and going back to the comment that Drew made about this being on coaching, this has nothing to do with the NBA, but has everything to do with pop in my opinion. Okay. This is how my, my, my mind works when it comes to things. I was on TikTok about an hour ago and there was a TikTok that featured Robert Griffin III, RG3, and he was talking about the greatness or the popularity of Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. And I don't know if you guys are on social media seeing this, but Mike McDaniel is an interesting character. He's kind of a player's coach. He's a young guy. Uh, he's had problems in the past with alcoholism. He's been very open about that. Um, he has a very unique offensive style. And the way that he gets things going and the way that he 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 has the, the 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 Dolphins offense working with Tua, a lot of people were down on Tua. He wasn't. And Robert Griffin III was talking about how Mike McDaniel is getting the most out of his players because he is playing to their strengths and what they can do. I wrote that down. Playing to their strengths and what they can do. And he says that when you go to a player and you tell them, we're going to play to your strength. It makes them comfortable. It makes them trust you. And he was going off and saying that all the players love him. All the players trust him. All the players believe in him. Not because he's a player's coach or because he's a nice guy. But they believe in him because he's not trying to square peg something into a round hole. They're trying to work towards your strengths. And as much grief as I give Jeremy Sohan, I really can't fault him much for this year. So I'm going to give him a pass. I don't like what I see, but ultimately I'd be willing to, to be okay with a third year and just like go, okay, whatever. Because he was not being put in the position to succeed. He was put in, in, in position to fail and he failed. And that might not be on him. That might have everything to do with the fact that Pop tried to play him out of position, the arrogance of Greg Popovich to put him at point guard when he's never played point guard before. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, gonna be, it's easy to pick up. Positionless basketball. Stupid comment. Positionless basketball. Dude, uh, you know what? Instead of positionless basketball, why don't we try to find the next Tyrese Halliburton? Why don't we try to find the next uh, Darius Garland? 
or the next SGA or the next John Morant. I'd rather have those guys, point guards, that know what they're doing than have quote-unquote positionless basketball. Um, but that comment from Robert Griffin III made me think. It's like, why is Pop setting people up to fail? And why are we okay with a 4-22 and record? Why aren't fans I, – have you noticed that the fans aren't booing the, the players? And I love that because it's not the players' fault. It's not the players' fault of what's going on out there. This is all on pop. You cannot tell me that Eric Spolstra, that Will Hardy, Emi Yadoka, Becky Hammond couldn't have coached up this team to 10 or 12 wins. You can't tell me that that couldn't have happened. We're at 4-22 and because this is a bad roster, but also because it's awful coaching. And for RG3 to talk about Mike McDaniel say he is loved and he is respected because he plays to his players' strengths, and we're witnessing Greg Popovich try to play towards players' weaknesses? Get the fuck out of here, man. Dude, you're done. Pop is done. He is done being a good coach, and he's not going to be a great coach again next year or at any other point. He's done. He's done. And it's time for Brian Wright to stick a fork in him before somebody sticks a fork in Brian Wright. I'm not saying fire the guy. Give the guy another position within the team. Have him be player personnel. Have him be assistant GM. Have him be something else. Head coach of this team is not it, man. It's just not. And Matt reaching out to us saying that, Surprisingly, Zach Collins wasn't uh, too bad. Jekyll and Hyde, right? Zach Collins is basically one player one day and another player the next. There are some days where Spurs fans love him, some days where Spurs fans hate him. Mondo Cavazos reaches out to us on a YouTube stream saying, to some extent, it's the player's fault. They're playing to get their own. They don't even look to pass with Wemby at all. Um, I do have problems with the fact that the Spurs don't pass the ball to Wemby as often as they should. Uh, there, there are highlights going on over there. I think I think it was um, Bleacher Report showing these highlights of Wemby calling for the ball and it not going to him or it actually going to him, but you see players like Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson jumping up and down wanting the ball, and they got to know their role. Keldon Johnson yesterday knew his role, okay, 28 points, he had 13 shots. I'm okay with Keldon taking somewhere between 10 and 14. The other day when he shot 18 times, that's a little too much. A little too much. Uh, Matt Lerma says, only Mikey Bennett can say Hall of Fame coach equals terrible coach. Okay, well, what about um, Tom Landry in 1989? Was he, a, was he a great coach? No, he was an old coach, and the game had passed him by. The game had passed him by. Okay, you can be great. Doesn't mean that you're great forever. At some point, there's a saying when it comes to coaching, you're hired to get fired. That is a coach saying. Look it up. You're hired to be fired. And there's certain jobs that are like that. Dude, if you are a TV news anchor or a, a radio talk host or if you are a politician, there are certain jobs where you are hired to get fired because you're not supposed to be there forever. 
Okay. Now there are some people like here in San Antonio where you had Chris Maru and Dan Cook on forever and Greg Simmons on forever, right? But eventually they go away, right? Eventually Dan Cook becomes Joe Ryan Eagle. At some point, Greg Simmons had to become Larry Ramirez, right? There's an, there's an evolution to things. You're hired to be fired. And at some point, you overstay your welcome. And at some point, you're not as good as what you used to be. The last years of Dan Cook, the legend that he is, the last years of Chris Maru, the legend that he is, the last years of Greg Simmons, the legend that he is. And I know these are different types of jobs, but just understand that their last years were not as good as their prime. And it's like that with coaches. We're seeing that with Bill Belichick right now in the NFL. He's not as good as he used to be. Mike Tomlin is a great head coach. Not as good as he used to be. Part of it's because of the coaching. They haven't evolved as coaches anymore. Part of it's because the players aren't there. But the fact of the matter is, at some point, you are no longer the coach. At some point, you're no longer the player that you used to be. And his time has passed. His time has passed. Not coming back. Ruben Espinosa says, if you get rid of Pop, the Spurs will have three to five years of seasons like this. Who's to say that he's going to turn it around? What proof, Ruben, do we have that Greg Popovich is actually a leader of a rebuild? He has never rebuilt once in his effing career. He's been here for almost 30 years. How many rebuilds has he done? Zero. He inherited a team with David Robinson, the number one overall draft pick in in uh, Tim Duncan, he inherited a team with Sean Elliott, with Avery Johnson, with a bunch of veterans out there, and then he got lucked into Tony and, T and, and Manu. Dude, he has never led a rebuild. There are, certain there are certain coaches that understand how to work with young players, and there are certain coaches who work better with older players, with veterans. Pop does better with veterans. He does not do well with young guys. We're seeing that. They're four and fucking 22. How much worse can it be? Dude, okay. If we get Becky Hammond as head coach, are they going to be negative three and 25? No, because the math doesn't work that way. This is as bad as it's going to be. It can't get any worse. And it's with Greg Popovich as the head coach. Why does he get a pass? Why? Why does he continue to get a pass? This has been five years in a row of not making the playoffs. Why does he keep getting a pass? Is it, is, does he stop getting a pass at your six, seven, eight, or nine? Why does he continue getting a pass? Because what he did a decade ago? Dude, at some point, man, it's what have you done for me lately? Yes, and I said like Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? Bum, ba -dum, bum, bum, lose, yeah. That's what they've done. That's what Greg Popovich has done. Lately, they've done losing. And that was with DeMar DeRozan. That was with LaMarcus Aldridge. That was with DeJounte Murray. Three people who at some point in their careers were all-stars. We, if we're going to be a losing team, let's, get, let's be a losing team with some new blood. Dude, I would have killed to have Ime Yadoka lead this team or Will Hardy or, or uh, Mike Budenholzer. I would have killed for that. And no, I don't want Steve Kerr. I don't want Steve Kerr. But Ruben, thanks for reaching out, man. I appreciate it.
says the Spurs will probably lose Wemby in that transition. Uh, we might lose Wemby just simply because Wemby might not want to be here. Not everybody gets drafted number one by the Spurs wants to stay. Not everybody's David Robinson. Not everybody's Tim Duncan. I mean, we don't know who Wemby is. I mean, I don't know him. We we don't know him as, as well as we do uh, players in years past. I hope he doesn't leave. Matt Larimo, he's only been rebuilding for two years. Well, he should have been rebuilding for five. That was mistake number one. Uh, by the way, Greg Popovich turns 75 years old next month. The oldest head coach prior to Greg Popovich was Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown was 71 years old when he retired. Greg Popovich is four years older than that, or about to be. And uh, he is 56 years older than his players, than half his players. Ridiculous, man. That's not ageism. At some point, at some point, uh, it is all... Um, at some point, you get hired to be fired, and it's his time. Mike Baez of Bear County Social Apparel says, Yo, did I miss your Sean Elliott tall tale story? The one where you said you made him cry. No, you haven't missed it. I'll get into it now. Let's go ahead and do this. Uh, one second. This is my unsweet tea. Back in the radio days, I would have this orange button and red button. Red button would turn it off so you didn't hear me slurp down tea, and the uh, orange button would make me talk. Or would put me on, would make my microphone hot. Uh, but let's talk about this. And I was talking to Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs about this. Don't forget to subscribe to him on, at Jeff G Spurs Zone. I subscribe to him on Spotify, uh, but all the major podcast platforms. Also, you can watch it on YouTube. So if you want to watch the podcast, you can do so as well. So I was talking to Jeff Garcia about this, and I explained the whole Sean Elliott situation. And he ends up going on Twitter saying that I was backtracking. I wasn't backtracking. But I made a comment that I, I, that I made Sean Elliott almost cry, that I got him mad and I almost made him cry. And he goes, Jeff goes, you know, I can just go up to Sean Elliott and talk to him about it, and he'll, and he'll deny it. He probably would. Sean Elliott does not have any idea as to who I am. Okay. I don't have a long history with Sean Elliott. If you showed him a photo of he goes, he'd be like, who the hell is this guy? Okay? I don't have any relationship with Sean Elliott. However, back in the mid-90s, I would do post-game interviews for KSAT at the Alamo Dome when the Spurs were playing home games. I would also go to Incarnate Word to do interviews after practice so that they would be aired on the 5 and 6 o'clock news. I was Greg Simmons' bitch, okay? I was an unpaid intern doing all that, but I loved it because I got to go to Spurs games for free. Back in the day, the media sat on the front row, right? right the computer row, right? Uh, right now, you sit in the 100 level if you're media. Um, but if you go back in time to 1996, the Spurs roster not only had David Robinson and Sean Elliott, but the roster also had a guy named Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman, as great of a, of a player as he was defensively and as a rebounder and all that, he was a head case. And if you go back in time to that season, Dennis Rodman was just putting himself above the team. And, you know, he wasn't uh, trying hard. He was, he was getting fined. He was, you know, he, he just wasn't in it for the team at all. And there was one day 
where I was interviewing Sean Elliott. Uh, I it was either after practice or at the airport tarmac, one of the two. And I don't think Rodman was playing at this point. I think I don't know if he was suspended or what the scenario was, but this involved Dennis Rodman. And I asked Sean Elliott this. It was a one-on-one. It was just me and him talking on camera. And I asked him some questions about Dennis Rodman and his antics. And for about a minute or so, Sean gave the most canned responses that you'd normally give. You know, the, you know what we're doing the best we can with what we've got. You know, stuff like that. And after a while, I remember turning the questioning around and going, but doing what you do for a living, how does this make you feel as a teammate, as a person? And I kind of kept on egging Sean Elliott on about this by rephrasing the question, not so much from a, tell us about what's going on with, with Dennis Rodman. I, I turned it into like, how does this make you feel as a player, as a person? How does this make you feel with the, uh, the amount of work and effort that you put into this to have to deal with this crap? And he got mad. He didn't get mad as an angry. He started in the interview. He got angry. He just got pissed. And I remember asking something to the effect of, what message do you have for him, for Dennis Rodman? And he got upset. He got upset. And he he didn't start, like, sobbing or crying, like, boo-hoo. But he got so frustrated and angry having this conversation, not towards me, he was pissed at the situation that, you know, he started to tear up a little bit, like in frustration and anger. He let out, he had a release of emotion that we never saw of Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott was always very, very professional, always very, very, very nice. And I'm not saying that he was unprofessional in this whole situation because I thought everything he said was called for, but it was unlike him to show emotion. And the emotion was anger, frustration, exasperation, and he started to tear, but not like streaming down his face. He wasn't Demi Moore from Ghost. It was just, it was there. It was there. I could see it. I raced back to KSET with this tape, and I showed it to Greg Simmons, and Greg Simmons freaked out. And he goes, oh, my God, you got emotion from Sean Elliott. And it actually ended up being a lead story at KSAT that day, as opposed to simply being a sports story, because the whole controversy involving Dennis Rodman on this team uh, was a big media sensation here in San Antonio. He was a jackass to um, uh, to uh, the team. He was a jackass to his teammates, and I got Sean Elliott to like buckle, and I got him to like show emotion. So when I said I got him mad and, I, and he almost cried, I wasn't trying to I – w- I wasn't putting him down, okay, because I think Sean Elliott did nothing wrong. But he did show emotion in an interview I gave with him, and I was a very young man at the time. But he let go, and he buckled, and he actually said what was on his mind. And that was my story. Uh, Jeff Garcia said that it sounds like a tall tale. And – you know, I, I had this conversation with Jeff, and I said, Jeff, I sound like I'm Forrest Gump because of all the things that have happened to me over the years. I mean, I had a Spurs player buy me a lap dance one time. I had a, um, you know, I was, him, I, was like, I was like, I was in the same room uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger one afternoon. I, 
uh, I had drinks with with uh, Slash from uh, Guns N' Roses. I, I I hung out with Def Leppard one time. Uh, you, you know, I, I partied with Jordan Knight of New Kids on the Block four times. There's certain stories that I have that that don't come to the surface because I don't remember them all. It's been over a 20 year career, right? And some of it bubbles over. And if I was to ask these questions to like Greg Simmons or Steve Spreester from KSAT or even Joe Reinagle, they can all tell you stories about things that happened. Dude, when I was at San Antonio Sports Star and I go to Radio Row, dude, me being drunk with Stu Gotts from the Dan Levitard show was like a highlight of mine. Um, I have lived a very interesting Forrest Gumpy life. Jeff Garcia says, quote, on our YouTube stream, I also told Jimenez that looking from the outside in, his, his stories do sound like a tall tale. And I get it. I get it because it takes a while for me to process what it sounds like from the outside looking in. And I get it. A lot of this sounds like bullshit. But very rarely do I embellish. Very rarely do I uh, say things that are, you know, exaggerated. You know, it, it, it is very cool. I go back to that Stu Gotten. So I was at Radio Road. We went to this one party at a hotel that was uh, – uh, it was uh, the Mike Ditka and Ron Jaworski party. And um, I'm standing in line for a drink, and I look over, and I'm like, that's Stu Gotts? You know, from the Dan Libertard show, and Stu Gotts is, is a very uh, – I'm a big fan of his. And I said, Stu Gotts? And he goes, yeah. And he said hi, gave a hug. And I was telling him that, you know, I had a radio show. And he goes, well, how long have you been doing it? And I said, well, actually, I won a contest, and I, you know, I'm doing this, this midday show. And he'll, he said something. He started laughing. He was like, well, it sounds like you're doing something right. And uh, so it was pretty cool. Got a photo with him and all that. Uh, he wasn't as, as inebriated as I was, uh, but he was a very, very, very nice guy. Mondo Cavazos asking the question, was it Rosh Nostarevich that got you a lab dance? He would love to have them. <laughs> okay. I don't know much about Rosh Nostarevich, but it wasn't him. But I will say this. It was a popular Spurs player. And why did it happen? It was because my 21st birthday – uh, I shared it with a uh, another coworker of mine at KSAT. We both turned 21 on the same week, and uh, the station people at the station decided to take me to All Stars. And uh, so you had these people from KSAT that were there. And long story short, one of the Spurs players popped his head out of the champagne room, saw that we were there. They said it's his 21st birthday, and he sent a dancer over. It happened. Okay. Uh, don't know if any alcohol was sent our way. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But it was uh, a story that I told from back in 1998. Hey, another tall tale. Uh, speaking of strippers, uh, KSAT one time uh, hired me to go undercover at strip clubs. And I went undercover to try to find prostitution at strip clubs. And they paid me a ton of money under the table to make this happen. And so they hired me and my friends to go look for prostitution. And it ended up that place that we went to was actually having a prostitution ring in there. Uh, but we couldn't get the evidence that we needed. But uh, we did get a lot of footage. I was wearing a 
hidden camera inside of a no fear cap. True story. True story. Again, is that a tall tale? Or is that me being Forrest Gumpy? You know? I, I have some interesting stories. Dale Castro reaches out and says, did you introduce Madonna to Dennis Rodman? Or was that Carmen Electra? That's great. <laughs> okay, I have one more Dennis Rodman story. Tell me if you think this is bullshit or not, because I'm telling you this is true. I stole Dennis Rodman's trash can. I know Jeff Garcia from Locked on Spurs and Ken's Five is going to give me shit about this, but this is a true story. Uh, my friends and I were big fans of, obviously, the Spurs. We knew where Dennis Rodman lived. He lived off of West Avenue back in the day and uh, kind of in the Castle Hills area. And um, we went to go look at his house just to go drive by and check it out. Well, his trash can was in the front of the yard, and it was empty. And I was like, I want his trash can. I was like 17, 18, 19 years old. I want his trash can. So we loaded it into my friend's truck, and I gave it away as a Christmas gift. I gave it to my friend Gabe. Yes, 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 yes. That did happen. That did happen. But I'll, I'll, you know what I'm going to do with my tall tales? My alleged tall tales, which I, I say are truth. Um... What I would say is I'm going to bring in witnesses to a lot of this, right? Like I make mention of the fact the other day uh, that uh, the Atlanta uh, the Atlanta Summer Olympics bombing that happened, right? The whole Richard Jewell situation ended up not being Richard Jewell. It ended up being – was it Eric Rudolph or somebody? Um, I was mm, – quarter mile away when it happened and i we ran to the site and we i was i i was hanging on to a street light not a street light like the tall one but like a like some sort of post and people were running towards me and i started running towards the bombing that happened back in 1996 i was working with kset i was with steve spreester and that is something that i think uh i can have him call i can call him and say hey did this in fact happen Right now, I don't know if I want to talk about because I have a lot of people who were witnesses to the lap dance situation back when I was 21, but I don't know if they'd want to go on the record when it comes to that. Uh, as far as the uh, Sean Elliott interview that I did back in the day, uh, I think Greg Simmons can verify that one for me. Mario Cavazza says, I believe you, man, on all of this. Chris Leon says, All his stories are tales are hyperbole. Chris, I'm glad that you got out the dictionary and looked up the word, my man. I'm glad that you did. Chris Leha, baby, MCS General Contracting. Give them a call if you want that rock-hard concrete. Chris, I still need your guys to, to come out here, brother. Make this happen. Make this happen. Uh, I, I have a, a concrete uh, patio that needs to be refinished, and Chris has come out here to give estimates, but I'm ready to go, baby. I got the funds. Let's make this happen. Uh, but if you want to have some concrete services, and it's it's beyond, you know, slabs to homes, which is great, but slabs to businesses, you know, if you need those ADA-compliant ramps and things like that, parking lots, basketball courts. I know my sister is going to get that basketball court through you guys. Uh, MCS General Contracting, uh, he was telling me, he goes, hey, we could put the basket 
in the concrete. You know, put the pole in there, draw the lines and all that stuff. MCS General Contracting, give them a call. And Chris, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to give them your number here uh, if you want to have more information here. Uh, number is 210-774-9155. But Chris gives me shit on Twitter, so I'll give him shit back, man. Chris Gonzalez is out and says, we believe your story is just like Sohan being a point guard. <laughs> Jackass. Jackass. Now, Jacob Eric says, snitch. What story was I a snitch? That one I don't understand. I don't understand. Now, when Mario reached out and said, Rosh Nesterovich, back in the day, I used to go to these clubs. I went to Anthro, which was on Fredericksburg uh, near Medical. And uh, I would always say, see B Beno Udrick there. And I would go to the atrium, and I remember having drinks one night. Um, I say drinks. I had like one or two drinks with a Samaki Walker uh, when he was out here. Uh, that was over at uh, the atrium. See, that's how you know I'm not lying, man, because who, who would remember Beno Udrick, right? Who would remember Samaki Walker? But those are true stories, baby. Those are true stories. Telling you, baby. Telling you. It's already 11.40. Good God. We've been doing this for an hour and 10 minutes already. All right. You guys have any other topics? Because I am tapped out other than the NFL's going on. Tomorrow, by the way, again, uh, the uh, Saints taking on the L.A. Rams viewing party at Mad Pecker Brewery on um, Tezzle Road. So it's near Tezzle and Culebra, northwest San Antonio. We're going to be out there watching the game. Brandon Medina will be out there. Joe Garcia will be out there. Speaking of Joe Garcia, he will be producing the show at the beginning of the year. We're excited about it because lots of new changes are coming. Lots of new things going on in our world. Uh, we're looking at possibly adding some programming. We're looking at the um, uh, possibility of, of doing different types of sponsorships, building new uh, a secondary studio, maybe at my home. We have a lot going on when it comes to that, so we're excited. Uh, again, viewing party, Mad Packer Brewery, Tazzle Road tomorrow. And I'm taking a look here. Taking a look here. Spurs, let's see, one of the Spurs back in action, man. The Spurs uh, are, again, 4-22 and on the year. Uh, Spurs right now, it's going to be a tough way to end the year, although they do have a couple of winnable games coming up. They've got Portland coming up a couple of times. Tomorrow they play the Bulls, 7 p.m. in Chicago. Then they've got... Luka Doncic and the Mavericks at uh, on the 23rd. They come back to San Antonio the day after Christmas for a game against the Jazz. Then I believe they have back-to-back -back games against Portland. We should be able to win one of those games. So I think the Spurs have one more win in them by the end of the year. Uh, my big question is, who's going to have more wins this year, the San Antonio Spurs or the Dallas Cowboys? It's kind of sad that the Cowboys right now are on track to have more wins in a 17-game season plus the playoffs than the San Antonio Spurs. You know what? That's a great poll. I'm going to put that out there. I'm going to put that out there. I want to thank everybody for reaching out to us. Um, Tim Gonzalez is oh, – he's referring to you uh, snitching on undercover strippers. <laughs> You know what? If you go to if you go to Mad Pecker Brewery, I'll tell the whole story because it's pretty, it's pretty interesting, man. It's actually one of the funniest stories that I ever had, man. Uh, one of the funniest stories how how I got paid for that. 
And uh, now that strip club that we were infiltrating and setting and, and doing surveillance on and whatnot, trying to get information on, no longer exists. Uh, so it wasn't like All Stars or the Palace or any place like that. It was a place called Acapulco Fantasies. And it was on Bandera and 410, uh, right behind, I guess, what was now what used to be Parable County Fair, behind the Toyota dealership, the Cavender Toyota back there. Back there, they used to have hidden in the, the wooded area a strip club called Acapulco Fantasy, and it was a prostitution ring. And uh, they all knew about it, but we needed to get some intel on it. And me, like a dumb idiot, I was like, I'll go, I'll go undercover. And uh, like I said, I don't mind saying it now because they haven't existed in 25 years. So it's not like it's a company that exists now. Um, I do have a tall tale about the palace uh, that maybe I'll get into one day. Uh, it's a story that involves my, my uh, first ex-wife uh, and, and her reaction to a bachelor party that I went out to over there. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. I told that story. I should tell that story to her boyfriend over the weekend at uh, Gabby's graduation party at LSU. I thought it was a funny story. I brought it up. So make that happen. Now, Kasha says Jimenez is a narc. <laughs> Dale Castro going, damn, Acapulco Fantasy is going way back. You know, if you know, you know, right? If you know, you know. What if the strip club had a, had a shower? They had a shower, a glass encased shower, like three of them. And like you could shower with the girls. That was, instead of getting a lap dance, you could shower with them for like X number of minutes going way back. He says to Ravenna saying, a shit take in 2023? Dude, you think all my takes are shit? And yet you still follow, which makes you a fan. He says, let me make your record one and one next fiesta. <laughs> all right, so that story involves me getting into a fight at Oyster Bake. God, the year must have been like 2000. I'm going to say it was before Gabby was born. So Gabby was born in 2003. So let's go ahead and say 2001 or two. I beat the shit out of somebody at Oyster Bake. And the cops only arrested that guy. They did not arrest me because everyone pointed at that guy saying that he instigated it. It was a guy that groped my wife. Uh, I was walking back with beer. And I literally told my friend, here, hold my beer. And I went and I took it, took care of it. Yeah, she was out there dancing, listening to music and all that stuff, and this guy goes up. And I saw him looking at her. I saw him checking her out. And I thought, oh, he's going to go up and try to, like, you know, roll up on her. Uh, which, again, pretty girls get guys rolling up on them. It just comes with the territory. Uh, but, no, he had no intention of that. He wanted to feel her up. And uh, she's dancing, and he comes up from behind her and gropes her from behind. And... Uh, I went over there and I jumped on top of him. The best way I could describe it is if you ever saw the movie A Christmas Story when Ralphie loses his shit and jumps on top of the guy and it's like, reckon, 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 reckon. you know, it's just going, just wailing on him from on top of him. That's what I did. I got him down to the ground. Uh, you know why I got him down to the ground? Because I'm an intimidating guy, baby. I'm an intimidating guy. Dude, speaking of intimidating guy, you should have seen yesterday at the Madison um, – Brandeis varsity game yesterday I was officiating and there was this one play where 
it's called a step in or it, 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 it's it's um if somebody shoots a three pointer you lift your hand up in the air to mark it that it's a three point attempt and and instead of like going backwards or leaning backwards or 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 trying to snowbird the next play as a legit official this is how you know the good officials and the bad officials the experienced officials will take a step towards the play on a three point shot as opposed to running off and it, it, it shows that you are engaged in the play. I took a step in. Well, one of the players from one of the teams started running towards, wanted to snowbird that play. And I, he ran into me. He did not even see me. Player's probably about six foot, I'd say about 200 pounds. Didn't see me. And I'm holding my ground because I'm officiating that play. Hand up in the air, three pointer. Boom! Just completely collided with me. And he fell on his ass and it was so funny because i asked the scores table at the uh at the end of the quarter was that a block or a charge and they're like dude you you drew that charge good oh my god oh my god okay real fast daniel daniel's saying uh intimidating that's right that's right uh how much was i weighing back then during the fight i was probably 30 pounds lighter than what i am now uh okay so daniel reaching out Dan reaching out and saying, Giorgio's off of Callahan. Raise your hand if you want to hear my Giorgio story. I need someone to second the motion on the uh, YouTube stream. I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds. Who wants to hear a, a tall tale from Giorgio's? And Jeff Garcia, if you're on, you're going to laugh at this one. Nobody? Nobody wants to hear it? All right. I have a strip club story. I have a strip club story. All right, Daniel says, let's go. All right, so back in, I'm going to go ahead and say about 2000, 99 or 2000. Georgios was a strip club on Callahan and I-10, right? It was a small location there, uh, right behind what is now a Popeye's, right, right in front of a Popeye's. And... Um, I didn't go there very often. In fact, I don't really go to strip clubs very often. I go on bachelor parties, right? I may have only been to a strip club that is non-bachelor party related, non-work related, maybe a handful of times. So I'm not a guy that just shows up at Sugars or a guy that just shows up and I'm part of that circuit. I, I'm just not. I don't want to spend my money on that, right? But I was dating this girl, and I wasn't dating her like a lot. I had, I had just started dating this girl. I was probably on my third date with her. And uh, my friends and I used to get together at my friend Lewis's house. And Lewis had a huge house. It, it was very big, very big open floor plan downstairs. And all my friends would show up, right? And when I say all my friends, like 10, 12, 15 of us would show up there. And one night I decided that I was going to take this girl over there because I had met her at a house party. I met her at a, at a St. Mary's frat party or house party or something like that. And I'd got her number. She's very pretty. Great body. Incredible legs. I'll never forget this, right? So uh, we went out a couple of times. No big deal. We went to like a movie, went to a dinner, whatever. No big deal. And uh, the third time we went out, uh, I told her that my friends were having a get-together if she would like to come. She said, Sure. So I take her over to my, my friend's place, and that was really my way of parading her around. I'm like, got a hot date, you know, 
check her out. And we go to my friend's house, and my friend Mike is looking at her like I recognize her. I recognize her. And um, fast forward a couple of days later, uh, my friend Mike was like, hey, Mike. He's like, hey, Jimenez, do you want to go to Giorgio's tonight? And I was like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And he goes, dude, I think you need to go with me to Giorgio's. I think you need to go with me to Giorgio's. And I was like, fine. So we went to Giorgio's because I went to Holmes and Holmes and Giorgio's is probably a couple miles away. No big deal. So I showed up and when we got there, she was dancing on stage. I had no idea that she was a stripper. None. And my friend Mike was like, I recognized her from somewhere. I knew it was her. You're dating a stripper. Dude, I had no idea. No idea. So later on, I get into an argument with her about it because I'm like, dude, you didn't tell me you were a stripper. She told me that she worked as a, as a uh, receptionist for her parents. And she goes, well, I do, but I also do this. So I briefly dated a stripper not knowing that I was dating a stripper. Actually, I, didn't, I never saw her again. Uh, I, I got weirded out by it all. You know, I don't want to date somebody who's giving lap dances for a living. Um, so I unknowingly dated a Giorgio's girl 25 years ago. Had no idea. Tall tale or no? Tall tale or no? Hey, Shoes Rivetta asking about the Blue Oyster Club. Dude, it's 2023. We're, we're doing gay jokes. Do better, baby. 2024, do better. Do better. Racist in 2023. <laughs> What's this, Rafaus? Uh Daniel Castro. Jimenez is too clean for strippers and looks down on sex workers. <laughs> hey, I can respect you. Doesn't mean I want to be with you. <laughs> okay? Um, she was a pretty girl, man. And uh, all I did was just innocently go out with her. It, you know, nothing, it was nothing serious or anything like that. It wasn't like she was a longtime girlfriend. I think we had gone on maybe two dates, maybe a third date when I found out this whole thing. And this all went down on Thanksgiving, on the week of Thanksgiving. It was like two days after Thanksgiving. All my friends were back in town from college. And Mike was like, I know that girl. I know her from somewhere. Takes me to Giorgio's and there she is on the pole. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Dale Castro says, read Leha's message. I did not see Leha's message. Let me see here. Oh. <laughs> Wait, Jimenez said I needed a dictionary for the word hyperbole. Why? Because I'm Mexican. I can't be educated and know the definition of your words, Mike. Seems kind of racist. Racist in 2023. <laughs> Dude, you give me shit all fucking day long. You're the one who posted a, a poll yesterday on Twitter asking if I was the most hated person in San Antonio. And now you're taking offense? <laughs> you're taking offense, Leha. Dude, make it out there tomorrow, dude. We'll have some beers. We'll hash it out, baby. We'll hash it out. We'll do a race around the parking lot. We'll do a race around the parking lot. We'll see who wins. You know, we'll, I'll, I'll even wear pants, a shirt. And a whistle in my mouth, and I'll run. I'll, I'll win that race. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Racist in 2023. Very cool. Wasn't this supposed to end a while back? Who narks on Dale Castro? Who now? Who narks on strippers? He does. That's who. <laughs> 
They weren't strippers. They were prostitutes. It's two different things. Dale Castro, please wear pants. Will do. Chris Layout says, offended, never. I ain't bro offended by a gay joke. That's the thing. I don't see what's funny about it. Why are gay jokes funny in this day and age, dude? I got friends and family who are gay. Like, like when people say, like, 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 try to put you down with a gay reference, there's nothing, there's nothing offensive about being called gay. There nothing is. I mean, it's just like, okay, you called me gay. Okay. I'm supposed to be offended by that? There's nothing offensive about it. Good grief, you guys. <laughs> Daniel reached out saying, damn, attacking Leha. No, no, standing up to Leha. Standing up to Leha. And Leha, I want you to come on the show when we're back at uh, uh, Joe's studio. I hope that's at the beginning of the year. I want you to be on the show. We can go toe-to-toe, baby. Toe-to-toe. Well, I think we need to have a decathlon. Decathlon. <laughs> Leha reaches out and says he's attacking me because he's the most hated person in San Antonio, not my fault. Yes, I'm more hated than Yolanda Saldivar, more hated than uh, Fred's Fish Fry at this point. Fuck Fred's Fish Fry, by the way. Dude, the, have you seen those uniforms that they, that they came out with the other day? Garbage. Garbage. This is what, what needs to happen. It, it's, it's, um, I follow this, um, I follow this girl on on TikTok who is like a graphics designer and she tries to redesign sports logos and the one she did of the redesign of the Spurs was actually very good so much so that the Spurs actually reached out to her on Twitter saying we really like these designs and I would hope the Spurs would take that and go look at this young lady who's a graphics designer being artistic with our with our stuff and maybe they'll work with her. And that's what Fred's Fish Fry should have done with Bear County Social Apparel, with Mike Baez and all of that. Because they know how to design clothing. They know how to be fast and on the ball with it all. That logo, that, that whole jersey that Fred's Fish Fry is doing, dude, I would be so offended if I saw someone wear that Fred's Fish Fry uniform jersey at a Spurs game. Like the official one, the one that they're hawking for 60 bucks online. I'd be so offended because A, they're going after one of our guys. And B, it's because it's a shit uniform. What Baez was doing and others that were trying to do these, uh, these, uh, these parody uniforms uh, were so much better. So much better. And again, why did this all come about? It's because we all saw that Spurs jersey, the, one of the City Edition jerseys that looks exactly like Bill Miller's. We all got the joke. It's like they didn't get it. It's like they didn't get it. Jesus Rivera reaches out to us and says, who's the Benedict Arnold in the poor Vida family? You know, when it comes to me, wouldn't that be Jeff? Wouldn't that be Jeff? I mean, Jeff would be on blast all the time. Dude, I was having an innocent conversation about the Spurs last night with somebody else. And then he starts retweeting it as though I was putting it on my page. That's like Jeff putting me on blast yesterday. Because I was talking to somebody about uh, Sohan and Malachi Branham. I think I asked the question, hey, is it possible that Malachi Branham is the best rookie we got two years ago, not Sohan and not Blake Wesley? <laughs> Dan reached out saying, oh, shit, not Hefe. 
Chris Leha disrespecting the jefe? Not disrespecting, just understanding that he's calling me out on Twitter, and I wasn't even engaging in the conversation with him. Daniel reaches out and says, no bro code for Jimenez. I snitch on strippers. That's that's what we learned today. I legit made Sean Elliott pissed off one time. Legit one time made him mad. It's possible. <laughs> Jeff Garcia with his oh man, what I miss. <laughs> Jeff, you missed a lot, man. You missed my stripper stories. Uh, you missed the fact that I used to date a stripper back in the day and I didn't know that I was dating a stripper. Uh, you missed a story about me and, and, and Chris Leal going back and forth with each other about hyperbole. And uh, he called me racist because I insinuated that he didn't know what the word meant. Um, I was called a snitch. Um, Mario Cavas was asking us to karaoke. I'm in love with the stripper. Or you know what better stripper song is Lap Dance by Nerd. I'm a dirty dog. I'm a dirty dog. Dun 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 dun. Who baby want me? Well, you can get this lap dance here for free. You can get this lap dance here for free. Mm-hmm. That's a good song. That's a good song. Oh, and I also said that uh, Jeff Garcia throws me under the bus all the time on Twitter. I was saying that I had a conversation with somebody yesterday on Twitter. And Jeff starts retweeting my comments as though they, as though those comments came from my page. They're on somebody else's page. He starts retweeting me because, again, he likes throwing me under the bus. That's what you missed. That is what you missed. But uh, this has been a fun show. We went a little bit long. Uh, but uh, we'll be back on Friday. We'll do something on Friday. Um, you know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to play some tennis this week. I haven't played tennis in a year. I think I'm going to go hit the court, go practice my serve a little bit, get it up to 100 miles an hour. Somehow or another, I'm going to need to get one of those radar guns. Do I call the cops to come over and, like, use the radar gun? Is that how we're going to do this? Is that how we're going to do this? (laughs) I'm not going to read that comment, Jesus. I'm not going to read that comment. There's, there's, there's no way I'm going to spin that one in a positive direction. But anyway, thanks for being on today. Again, this is the Alamo City Sportscast. We're looking forward to a new year. Um, again, a, a show on Friday. Again, tomorrow, we're going to be over at Matt Pecker Brewery on Tezel Road near Culebra. Come out, hang out with us. Thursday Night Football, Saints, Rams, part of the Fantasy Gods. Uh, broadcast that we have out there. Uh, but uh, come on out. Come on out. This has been fun. Check you guys out tomorrow or Wednesday or Friday, rather. Have a, have a great day. Have a safe day and get your Christmas shopping done because we're down to four days. Y'all take care. Mm-hmm.